Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 741, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Let's read the passage. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this Gospel. Gospel is a specific literary genre. It's not a biography. It's not a history. It is a narrative of the ministry of Jesus with the intention of convincing people to follow Jesus, to have faith in Jesus. And he's writing this primarily to a Jewish audience. It's applicable to everyone, but he uses a lot of Old Testament imagery to support his claim that Jesus is the Messiah. He said that Jesus began this ministry of teaching, preaching, and healing. We saw the teaching ministry highlighted with the Sermon on the Mount. Now he's focusing on the healing ministry. Chapters 8 and 9 have these nine miracles, these three groups of three. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he healed the leper. Then verses 5 through 13, he healed the centurion's servant. Now this is the third miracle. Jesus is still in Capernaum, in Galilee, on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. In verse 14, we read, Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Okay, what's special about this miracle? In the previous miracle, the, the leper, that's an excluded group of people. Jesus touching him would have made him ceremonially unclean, so there was a lot of special stuff going on with the cleansing of the leper with the centurion. The centurion's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And so crossing these racial lines, which was a big deal in the mind of Jewish people, and the idea that he performed this miracle at a distance. He didn't even go to the sick servant. He just said, he's healed. So there's some special stuff going on with those miracles. This one, what makes it special enough to be called out like it is? Just a woman with fever, not even a specific fever, just she's got a fever and Jesus touches her and heals her. It's the people involved. It's Peter's mother-in-law. That's what makes it special. And remember, at this point in the story, Peter hadn't really been called out as anything special, but he does emerge later on as the leader of the disciples. And remember, by the time this gospel is written, probably 60 AD or so, so 30 years or so after the death of Jesus, everybody knows Peter. And that's what makes it special. It's Peter's mother-in-law. Does that mean Peter was married? Well, if we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, Paul's arguing about his rights as an apostle. He says, don't we have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife like other apostles, the Lord's brother and Cephas? Well, the Lord's brother is James, and Cephas is Peter. Well, his name is Peter. Well, his name is Simon, and he gets renamed 
Peter. We actually look over in Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 42, and he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So when Jesus called Simon as his disciple, he renamed him Cephas. And John says it's translated Peter. Now, John wrote his gospel in Greek. Cephas is the Aramaic word for rock. And the Greek word for rock is Petrus. English version of that then becomes Peter. So, Simon is his name. Jesus renamed him Cephas because they spoke Aramaic. And in the Gospels, then, it's translated as Petros, which means rock, the same as Cephas. But then in English, it becomes Peter. So, it gets confusing with all these names. But whenever Paul speaks of him, he calls him Cephas. The Gospels, sometimes they say Simon, sometimes they say Peter, sometimes they say Simon Peter. So, Paul's he's saying there's no reason to think we can't have the same rights as the other leaders in the church, like having a wife, like Peter does. And so, yes, Peter did have a wife. Now, remember, Peter is from Capernaum. He was a fisherman there, working in the north of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus called him along with his brother, Andrew. Now, Peter's house and Andrew's house may have been the base of operations for Jesus while in Capernaum. In Mark 1.29, we read, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. So that's where Mark recounts the story of Jesus healing. But, which tells us a little about what went on while Jesus called them to follow him. They were still quite a bit of time there in the area of Capernaum, which was where several of the disciples lived. And so they stayed in contact with their families. So it says that she had a fever. Nothing specific about the fever. She's sick. It could have been something minor. It could have been something incredibly serious. Don't know. She's sick. And Jesus heals her. Verse 15. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. Now, the significance of that is it shows the immediate healing and restoration. She didn't get up, then take a couple of days off because she's recovering, recuperating, convalescing. It's, she's immediately back to normal. So she gets up and resumes her normal role in the household because it was an immediate, full healing. Now, that's the third miracle itself. Very simple, very uh, concise. It's she was sick with a fever. Jesus touched her hand and healed her, and she was immediately restored. Then we have this little stuff tacked on in verses 16 and 17. That's kind of a, a conclusion to this three miracle section, because we have these nine miracles in three groups of three. So this is the end of the first three. Verse 16, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Well, pause there. Now, significance of evening. We go back in Mark chapter 1 again, the healing of Peter's mother, and actually back up to verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. 
They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. We've seen that. Then he uh, casts out an unclean spirit in the synagogue. Then they go home to Simon and Andrew's house and heal his mother-in-law. It's the Sabbath. So you can't be running around doing errands and having people get healed on the Sabbath. We see that becomes a big deal later on. And so evening is when the Sabbath ends. And so that's why the people come in the evening, because it is the Sabbath day. So they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So you have demon-possessed and sick people, obviously. It says he drove out the spirits with a word. That's the same description as was given when he healed the centurion's servant with a word. This is just speaking to his authority. He doesn't do a showy thing of having a lot of incantations and mystery words and dancing around. And do He just, with a word, he heals people. With a word, he casts out spirits. And so he's just, again, pointing to his authority, his authority over nature, his authority over the spiritual world. Verse 17, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. The quote here is from Isaiah 53.4. This is another one of the fulfillment sayings that Matthew talks about. This was to fulfill what was talked about in the Old Testament. Remember, he's presenting Jesus to the Jewish audience as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. A section in Isaiah is called the Fourth Servant Song, or Suffering Servant Song. And these show the coming Messiah as the suffering servant. And the theme of this one is that he will suffer on behalf of his people for their sins. And this is where sometimes people get a little concerned about Matthew's use of it here. Because this isn't about forgiveness of sin. This is about healing sick people and casting out unclean spirits. Well, he's using the part of it that fits this context, which is about healing and casting out spirits. So he took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Look back in Isaiah 53 verse 4, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, afflicted, on five, he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our negative. That's all speaking of Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins. So, but just that fragment, he took our sicknesses and carried our pains. So I think Matthew here is carrying the idea that well, sickness and unclean spirits is part of living in a sinful world. And Jesus came to deal with sin. It's not like Matthew didn't know it at the time. He's writing all this after the fact, and he's purposely carrying the gospel narrative forward to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all for the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus's ministry, right now he's dealing with the healing ministry. Sometimes he's the preaching ministry, the teaching ministry, all that is part of his overall ministry, which is leading to the conclusion of the forgiveness of sin. 
So obviously not inappropriate for Matthew to use this segment. Yes, while Jesus was here, he did heal people's sicknesses. He did cast out unclean spirits. And all that was just to show his authority as the Messiah. So this completes the first group of three miracles. Then we'll have a little little narrative interlude and then back on to the, the next group of miracles. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.